Well, this is an exciting time of year, isn't it? At least we're hoping it's going to be an exciting time of year, as May has arrived on the calendar, even if we look out the window and we're still wondering if this is actually May. I've decided to go with a green and growing theme to hopefully mirror the realities in nature around us as we go through this spring. It's also an exciting time of year for those who are uh, students and in school. There's a, a couple who are here today. I see Kyle. Are you almost wrap, wrapping things up? Close? Done. All right. Congratulations. I know a couple others. I was at Jade Clausen's uh, grad ceremony at ACC this past Friday morning. So congrats to him as well. And Ryan is over here. Are you finished up for, for your studies for this year as well? So congratulations to you. And for the rest of you who are in grade 12, you still got a ways to go. So uh, hang in there. <laughs> but it's an exciting time for you as well as you're looking forward to graduation. So uh, exciting time of year. Lots of things are happening. And uh, I know if you're anything like me, getting outside and, and seeing the things growing is an exciting thing that we, you know, especially as farmers, I'm sure you're itching to get out there. And uh, we have an opportunity to mirror those realities in the spiritual realm as well as we think of faith and our spiritual lives. So that's the theme that I want to draw to your attention here this morning. So would you bow with me and let's begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for new life. Thank you that you are a God of creation. That you are a God who has caused all things to grow in their time and in their season. And so we thank you, Lord, that you are the giver of life, you sustain life, and only you can cause things to grow. And so we just thank you, Father, for the growth we are seeing, uh, awakening and stirring all around us in creation. We thank you for the growth as well within our church family. We thank you for the growth as well personally, individually, as you work within our hearts and lives. We thank you, Lord, for the work that you are doing, blessing the students within this church family, whether they are immediately here or studying elsewhere. Lord, we pray that you would continue to bless them. We pray that you would guide their steps going forward, even as they, in some cases, are finishing education and unsure of what the next step is. We pray that you would guide them there, and we pray that you would be with them. We pray now, Lord, that you would be with us as we enter your word. We pray that you would stir our hearts to desire growth to never be content to stay where we are, Lord, but to continually seek you in your word by your Holy Spirit. And so we pray that you would bless us to that end this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You'll have to excuse me this morning. We've been, we've been battling a bit of a... fighting off the cold and the scratchy throat. So I've been praying these last couple of weeks that the Lord would keep me healthy. And so far, he has... Uh, I can feel a little bit of a scratch going on, so if someone would like to get me a glass of water, that would be great, greatly appreciated. So please bear with me. I hope my voice holds up this morning. Now, continuing along with our theme, green and growing, uh, Barry Reimer, of course, had to point out to me this morning that, was this a pun on our, on our name? Groaning, green and growing. And I just said, I never even thought of that, but leave it to someone like Barry to, to leave that out. And I said, you've, you've got to think a lot like Harold Giesbrecht in order to come up with something like that. <laughs> and Harold's not here, but I'm sure he'd get a chuckle at that too. The fact is, everyone loves growth. 
After an especially long winter, we are so impatient for new growth that as we see it, we're just like cheering it on. The new, the new buds, the, the grass, even as we think ahead to mowing, I am looking forward to mowing. Who here is looking forward to mowing grass? Come on. I'll take a poll back in August to see who's still enjoying it. But right now, we're looking forward to those things. But we're also looking forward and, and living in the reality of spiritual growth, both personally and also corporately within our church family. And so we celebrate this growth and we want to continue to spur this growth on, to nurture this growth, to sustain it, to not just let it stay where it is, but for it to continue. And so as we think about new growth, and we all love new growth, we don't all love the process of growing. Because the process of growing is not always easy. In fact, it's often very difficult. So as we think of these things, I want to ask you a question this morning. Do you want to grow? And if so, if you can genuinely say, I want to grow. I want to grow personally. I want to grow in character. I want to grow in love. I want to grow in usefulness to God. If your answer is yes, then I want to ask you, are you ready to grow right now today? And so if you are truly ready to grow and you say yes to both of those questions, let me just give you a short quiz to begin here to make sure that you're really ready to grow. Question number one. How do you put a giraffe into a refrigerator? Open the door and put it in. Don't overthink things and make them too complicated, okay? Question number two. How do you put an elephant into a refrigerator? You open the door, take out the giraffe, and put the elephant in. Okay? Remember that your actions have consequences. Question number three. The Lion King is hosting an animal conference. All the animals attend except one. What animal does not attend? Why? That's right. (laughs) Matt's sharp. He's remembering what we're learning. Last question. This is your final examination. There is a river you must cross, but it's inhabited by man-eating crocodiles. How do you manage it? Why? Absolutely. Roy Arnett. (laughs) Final examinations. Give him a round of applause. Now, Matt and Roy passed with flying colors. How did the rest of you do? I hope you're ready to grow. I hope you're ready to put into action what you're learning. Because, let me just say this. Growth, and actually learning these things and then putting them into action as we think along with these things and as we grow in our spirits, this is what God desires for us personally. This is what God desires for us corporately as a local church. And this is what God truly desires for his kingdom around the world. Quite simply, God is in the business of growing things. I want you to just listen to a few scripture passages that make this point just crystal clear. On the individual level, level, Peter writes in his second letter, Uh, chapter 3 and verse 18, this familiar passage, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and forever. That key word, grow. Then speaking on the corporate church level, Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, chapter 4 and verses 15 and 16. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ, 
From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Notice again, he uses those two key words, growing and reaching maturity. And then finally, on the worldwide level, listen to what Paul writes to the Colossians in chapter 1 and verse 6. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it, and understand God's grace in all its truth. You see, we see the three levels, personal, church, and worldwide. God's gospel is designed and intended to grow. And God wants us to grow the church and the kingdom into every last corner of this planet. And so the best part of all of this is that not only does God desire growth, but it is God who also enables the growth. Listen to what Paul writes to the Corinthian church in his first letter to them in chapter 3 and verses 6 and 7. He says, I planted the seed, Apollos, another another, uh, teacher, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. So let me ask you, have you been growing spiritually? Have you grown spiritually at all in your life? From, from you know, the, the basic planting of that seed of faith in your heart, have you grown since that point? If your answer is yes, then praise God, because He is the one who caused that seed to grow. Yes, others have watered it, others have perhaps nurtured it and helped you along, but that is God's doing, using those people to nurture that seed of faith, and only God can cause it to grow. No one else can take credit for it. It is His and His alone. And so, I can't take credit for it, you can't even take credit for it, or the person next to you, and they can try as hard as they want, but God is the one who truly deserves the glory for growth that happens. Only he can cause a seed to germinate, grow, and finally bear fruit. Now, I want to draw your attention to our ongoing object lesson. I feel like a farmer up here, which is kind of fun, actually. I've got my wheat crop. Look at this. Doesn't that just look good? Something's green and growing right here. And here, this was exactly four weeks ago at exactly this time. Well, actually, I'm going to go back a little bit. Just over four weeks ago. Leanne, my lovely assistant, filled this jar with soil and the, and the nice rocks, the decorative touch, of course. I would never have had it so eloquent. I would have had like an ice cream pail up here. But no, Leanne makes sure it looks good. So Leanne filled this jar with dirt, and then four weeks ago, to this exact time, I took a kernel of wheat, and most of you were here and saw me, push that into the ground as an object lesson of Jesus' words saying, unless a kernel of wheat goes into the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it bears many seeds. And so that one shoot grew up. Two weeks ago, many of you came up front on Easter, and you too planted seeds in this. And now look at the crop that's going on here. Isn't that incredible? That is what God does when we plant single seeds of faith Who can take credit for this growing? Did you get in there and germinate that seed of wheat? Did I? No. We just stuck it in the ground. God germinated that. God caused the increase. God is causing that to grow. And this, my friends, is a perfect picture of what God is doing in this church. 
as we continue to plant seeds in faith, God is the one who is causing things to grow and to stir around us. And we can, si- we can see the signs of new life and new growth all around us. And if you can't, I want to encourage you to open your eyes because God is doing a good work among his people. And so as we see these things happening, give God the glory, for he is truly doing great things here. But now I want to caution you on this. As we praise God for growth that is happening, we're not done yet. We have not yet, like this wheat, we have not yet reached maturity. This wheat, even though it's looking good and it's growing, it's on the right track, has not yet reached full maturity because full maturity only happens once this wheat has reached the point of reproducing. A head is going to spring out and there's going to be more kernels and they have to mature and then they too can go out and multiply. That is when maturity is reached. And so we too as a church must strive to reach and to grow towards maturity. I want to tell you that a mature church is a multiplying church, just as a mature stock of wheat is a multiplying stock of wheat. No church can say that it has reached full maturity until it is multiplying itself over and over again. You see, we are growing. We see signs of growth all around us. But for us to reach the point of saying we have reached maturity as a body in Christ... We need to be at the point where we are consistently seeing new, new growth in the form of new lives being given to the Lord Jesus. New Christians being nurtured and discipled, and then they too going back out, reaching maturity, and multiplying all over again. That is the purpose of the church. It is to bring glory to God by reaching maturity in Christ and producing more fruit. That is what it means to grow God's family. Growing is the theme that God has imprinted right in our DNA. Now, in order for that to happen on the grand scale that God intends it to do, just like that wheat, we must reach maturity. Listen again to these words. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body. Mature body is emphasized in Paul's writings. This church, to reach maturity, must be a multiplying church. Now, how do we get to that point of maturity? How do we reach that point where we can say we are truly a mature body of Christ, multiplying? Well, we need to keep growing. We need to keep this progress right here. We don't want to let it stunt. We want to allow it to keep going forwards. That is our focus of today's study. During a meal that I once had with Harold Giesbrecht, I I referenced him at the beginning. Uh, He is our local representative for CSSM, or formerly CSSM, now One Hope Canada, which is an affiliate of Turtle Mountain Bible Camp, of where we are great supporters as a church. Harold is a great friend of the family, and so as you get to know him, you appreciate his sense of humor. And so this one time, I had a, a supper meal with Harold, and I had just poured myself a cup of coffee. And then, naturally, extending the pot out towards him, I asked him, do you drink coffee? To which he quickly replied, no, and I don't smoke either. (laughs) Think about that for a second. If you know Harold, (laughs) you have to know him to appreciate his sense of humor, and even with that, it can be a little bit of a stretch sometimes. But his quick-witted remark made the point that for many, coffee is a habit. 
or even an addiction. To say, no, I don't, drink, I don't drink coffee and I don't smoke either. He's equating those two things together. And so as he's linking these two things, and I think of coffee as an addiction, or at the very least, a daily habit, that may or may not describe me. But if it does describe me, if I am truly a coffee addict, I blame it on this church. <laughs> because you see... I was introduced to the allures of coffee in this very church basement. You see, it was right here as a 12-year-old, somewhere in that age group, or age bracket, I began to drink coffee. Of course, I started out with somewhere in the neighborhood of eight sugar cubes in a single cup. But it's right here where I remember, probably around 12 years of age, that after some church meeting in the evening, I went up to the counter and I was bold enough to pour myself a cup of coffee. And I don't remember who it was, but an elderly, distinguished gentleman from within our church saw me pouring myself a glass of coffee and he leaned over and just whispered to me, don't drink coffee, it'll stunt your growth. (laughs) Now, of course, I didn't heed his warning. And wouldn't you know it, that though my greatest desire in life was to grow to reach six feet in height, and though I have two brothers who went well over six feet, You know where I topped out? (laughs) 5'11". If only I had listened. (laughs) That coffee, I tell you, it, it was true. It stunted my growth. I came up one inch shy of six feet. Now, whether or not drinking coffee was actually the difference maker in me reaching six feet or not, the fact remains that there are things that truly do stunt growth both physically and spiritually. Okay, so if we, if we acknowledge that there are truly things that stunt growth, whether or not it's coffee, but that there are things that can and do stunt growth both physically and spiritually, then we need to identify what those things are. Because if we're wanting to really get serious about growing, then the first thing we need to do is identify and remove anything that will stunt our growth. Now, I want to draw your attention to the most familiar parable, or one of, in all of, all of Scripture, Matthew chapter 12, the parable of the sower and the seed. If you want to turn there, you can follow along if you like. Matthew chapter 12, Jesus explains two factors that can severely stunt spiritual growth, and if left unattended, can actually choke out faith altogether. Matthew chapter 12 and verses 21, he explains the parable to his disciples. Listen to what he says. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling amongst the thorns refers to someone who hears the word But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. Now here, Jesus identifies two categories of Christians who never reach maturity. The first one he identifies is those with shallow roots. Having shallow roots as a Christian is a description of those Christians who have accepted the gospel of Jesus Christ in its introductory phase of Jesus as Savior. They have heard the message that there is forgiveness of sins freely available to any who believe. 
And so, hearing this good news, they receive this aspect of Jesus' salvation for themselves, and they say, yes, Lord, I want salvation. Forgive me of my sins. I make you my Savior. But they stop short and do not make him their Lord. Let me explain that. This person, making Jesus their Savior, eagerly receives Jesus. Who wouldn't, right? Who wouldn't want to go to heaven, especially when we know the alternative? And so far, so good. The only problem is stopping short and making Jesus only Savior and not Lord is not actually doing what God has commanded us to do. You see, this attitude kind of takes this, I've punched my ticket to heaven. I've got my fire insurance. You know, I'm good to go, and now I'm going to continue life my way. I'm in control. I'm the master. You're my savior, but I'm still Lord of my own life. Now, Jesus never explained it that way. He said, you must make me savior and Lord. Now, Lord, from scripture, in this sense, the Greek word is kiros. Lord means master, authority, the one who is given complete and utter control. So, while this person desiring Jesus' free gift of salvation, they don't want to take that next step to surrender and give up complete control of their lives to him as Lord. And so, they want all of the benefits without any of the commitment. They want all of the salvation without any of the sacrifice or the service. And so, Jesus says, their roots remain shallow. They still willfully indulge in sin and the old desires of the flesh. And so is it any surprise that when he says troubles or persecutions come because of the word, they quickly fall away? You know, nothing separates the wheat from the chaff faster than persecution. You know, I've said this before, that if a law was passed right here in Canada, right right now today, if a law was passed outlawing church attendance... That next Sunday, if you showed up to church, the police would be waiting to arrest you and take you to prison. Who of us would still show up next Sunday? Nothing separates the wheat from the chaff faster than persecution. And Jesus says those with shallow roots, those who are only at the surface level, when persecution comes, they will fall away. When the first adversity, when the first trial comes their way, the first gust of wind, they just can't handle it because they are shallow In their root system. They have no substance to hold on to actually endure. And Jesus says, they will fall away. So my friends, I just want to tell you today, if you believe that you can accept Jesus as your personal Savior to forgive your sins, but not also make him your Lord, to now have complete authority of every aspect of your life, then you have been deceived and your roots are shallow. Okay, I want you to be crystal clear on this. Jesus needs to be Lord and Master of your life, or you have a shallow root system. Scripture makes no allowance for taking Jesus only as Savior and not also as Lord. Listen again to 2 Peter 3.18. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Peter puts those two things together as inseparable realities for the Christian. Notice how he even puts it as a Lord and Savior. He puts Lord first, stressing its importance. We can't have one without the other. And if we try, Jesus says that not only will we not reach maturity, but that when push comes to shove, we will fall away. 
So I want you to be absolutely certain today that you are firmly rooted by faith and obedience in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. That is the first thing that we learned this morning. The second category of things that stunt spiritual growth and can keep us from reaching maturity is competition from the weeds. Now, I would invite Roy to come up and give us a lesson on that as our, as our representative and you know, expert in this field. I am, I am strictly a layman, and I'm sure many farmers could come up and give a better presentation on weed competition and all of the great chemicals that could be used to deal with weeds in the variety of crops. I'm not going to get into the specifics. You all understand this principle. But we want to talk about just the, the basic things of why weeds are harmful. The two basic reasons that weeds are harmful is that, well, of course they stunt growth. That's, that's the effect of what they do. And the way they do that is primarily by stealing moisture and nutrients from the soil. So if we had wheat growing in this jar and then we throw in a whole bunch of random other weeds, they're going to be competing for the same nutrients from the soil and the same moisture, and so it's giving less for the wheat to grow. That's the, the first primary way that weeds are harmful. The second is that if the weeds actually grow up, they can get to the point where they actually block the life-giving rays of the sun that are necessary for the wheat to grow as well. And so going back to our, our, uh, our little wheat crop that's going here, the week after I had noticed that that first seed had begun to grow, I then took note of it a couple of days later that it was starting to look a little droopy and starting to turn a little bit yellow. There was no weeds in the jar yet, but it was already kind of looking like it needed some help. And immediately I realized, well, I hadn't even watered the thing yet. And second of all, it was tucked at the back in a big shadow. There was no direct rays of the sun. So I just went back to the bathroom, grabbed a little glass of water, poured a little bit in, stuck it on the windowsill, and wouldn't you know it, a couple of days later, it was just like, boom, growing like crazy. That is the life-giving nutrients and the rays of the sun that is required for anything to grow. And weeds can have that same effect. If they block out the sun, if they compete for the nutrients, they can stop things from growing. Now, of course, to grow in faith, we need two essential things. We need the water of God's word. And we need the light of spending direct time in God's presence through the word and in prayer. Weeds of this world can easily draw us away from that life-giving water of the word and can also keep us from spending time in his life-giving presence. And so when this happens, our faith and our spirit begin to wither and to yellow as well. And Jesus describes these competing weeds as the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of riches. This is an extremely broad category, so let me just touch on it briefly. Do you ever worry about anything? Anyone? Anyone worried about anything in this life? Anything buzzing around in your head at all? Uh, school, maybe? Passing your grades, your final examinations? Do you ever worry about friends, what they might think of you? Um, being liked, having a place to belong. Family. Do you worry about the future? Do you worry about your health, your job, your career path? What direction that's going to take you? Making money. You know, many of these things of course, are not wrong in their proper perspective. The main problem is that they compete for our attention, and we can easily end up fo focusing on these things more than God. And so in this way, in, 
if not placed in their proper context, they are competing for that life-giving nutrients that we need from God. And now speaking of money, Jesus draws on this specifically. He says, the deceitfulness of riches. Is it any surprise to us that Jesus talked about money almost more than anything else? Why is that? (laughs) It's very simple. We all need it. We all have to use money in some context. We all have bills to pay. We all have to deal with it. And as a result, each one of us is presented with the opportunity to worry about money. Do we have enough? And that worry can easily begin to make us desire just a little bit more and a little bit more until we are so caught up in it that easily it can grow into greed. And we grow into this attitude of living more for accumulating the wealth of this kingdom in this earth and not living for the kingdom of heaven, the one that is truly going to last. And so Jesus does not say that these weed-infested Christians will necessarily fall away from the faith. But he does say that they will bear no fruit. And bearing no fruit for the life of the Christian is not acceptable to God. He desires that you grow to maturity, that you bear fruit. And so if you want to bear fruit in Jesus Christ, then you need to deal with the competing weeds in your life. So let me ask you, are the weeds of the world stunting your growth spiritually? Are worries about life and bills and money and the desire for more stuff slowly choking you and keeping you from reaching maturity, keeping you from multiplying and producing fruit? If so, what you need to do is to get back to the nutrients of God's word, the life-giving water. You need to get back into the presence of God in prayer. We need to have him adjust our attitude towards money and towards stuff so that they are put in their proper context and not taking priority over God in our life. And let me tell you that by the grace and power of God and his Holy Spirit, we can remove the weeds. We can break free from the deceitfulness of riches. Yes, it will be painful. But if we truly want our lives to bear fruit for God that will last... We have to do it. It is not optional. So pray and ask God for that power today. Remove those weeds that are competing for his attention and his time in your life. The third and final category of things that stunt spiritual growth is habitual sin. Now the reason I say habitual sin is because this is a different category altogether than those sins that happen once in a while that just kind of spring out on us out of nowhere. I want you to listen to Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Now, of course, as I said, any and all sin can trip us up. You know, you can be running along great in the race of life, and you're just like, yeah, I'm doing good, and all of a sudden, wham, and you just go down, sin just blindsided you, and you hit the ground, and you're like, where did that come from? I've never even dealt with that before. How did that sin just come out of nowhere and just take me down so quickly? Maybe sometimes that happens. It catches you unaware. I can't tell you how many countless times that's happened in my life. But you know what? In those times, you realize what's happened, you confess that sin, You you seek forgiveness, reconciliation, whatever needs to happen. 
God picks you back up, and you keep running. And that sin's over and done with, and you just keep going. Now, the difference with habitual sin is that it entangles us. And entanglement draws on the image of how a vine wraps itself around something. Okay, it says the sin that so easily entangles us. Now, I want you to picture a vineyard. And in this vineyard, there's, there's vines with grapes growing on them in all directions. But those vines had to start out as very small plants. And when you first put them up, one of the, one of the guiding devices that the vines are intended to grow around, at the very beginning, it would be so incredibly easy to remove those vines. In the beginning, it's so easy to just snip them off or guide them to go in another direction. But left unchecked, the vine will continue to grow and to send offshoots in all directions until eventually it is wrapped so tightly that it is nearly impossible to remove. Try as hard as you want. And in my experience, it is the habitual sins that I have battled with the hardest in my life. And the longer that I have left them unchecked, the harder they have been to remove. You see, sin most often starts out seemingly small and harmless, but they grow and entwine and entangle us more rapidly than we ever realize. It it can just sneak up on us. Let me share with you a story. Forest ranger John Elliott lay huddled and shivering on the cabin floor. He was high in the Rockies in southwestern Alberta, and outside, a blizzard was raging. He had trudged for miles that day through the deep snow of the mountain passes. But as dusk and exhaustion overcame him, he had decided to hole up in the cabin. Coming inside the cabin, somewhat dazed with fatigue, little realizing hypothermia was beginning to set in, he did not light a fire or remove his wet clothing. And as the temperatures plunged and the blizzard blasted through the cracks in the thin old cabin walls, the hypothermia began to set in and finally reached the point where John felt warm and cozy. And soon, falling asleep on the floor, the forest ranger sank into an oblivion from which he might never awake. Suddenly, however, his faithful dog, a large St. Bernard, sensed his master's danger and sprang into action. With unrelenting whines and nudging him repeatedly with his large nose, the dog finally managed to rouse his near-comatose friend. John Elliott later said, If that dog hadn't been with me, I'd be dead today. When you're freezing to death, you actually feel warm all over, and you don't want to wake up because it feels so good. You know, this story illustrates the spiritual condition of many people today. They are cold, asleep, or even freezing to death. But tragically, they are oblivious to their true condition because they have become so entangled by sin, so numb to it, that it actually feels good. Just leave me alone. I'm okay where I am. Those weeds started out small and went unnoticed. But thankfully, thankfully, the Lord is persistent in his attempts to wake up such sleepers. He sends his messengers to nudge them awake. And though this is initially annoying, it is necessary for life to be saved, just as that St. Bernard had to annoy his master into an awareness of his danger. And sometimes the methods used to awake them have to be drastic. But remember, it's always for their good. Let us not imagine that because God shakes us, that he hates us. 
No, God shakes us, he awakens us because he loves us. Like that St. Bernard, he knows the danger we are in. And because he loves us, he desires to save us. And so if God is shaking you today, if you feel him nudging you in some aspect of your life to wake up, sense the danger that you are going into right now, the path, if you stay on this, is leading in a dangerous direction. If you feel God shaking you, wake up. Realize he's loving you right now. He's saying, you're in danger. Come back to me. Get rid of these vines that are choking out your growth and your spirit. Come back to me. And so in conclusion today, I want to remind you that to identify and remove anything that will stunt your growth is absolutely necessary to continue to grow to the point of maturity. So stop drinking that coffee, if that's what it takes to remind you of this truth. I'm not going to stop drinking coffee. I'll just throw it out there. (laughs) But whatever it takes, keep this in your mind. Be aware of what is happening in your life, those things that are dragging you down, the worries that are nagging at your life on a daily basis, keeping you from going into prayer and into God's word. Identify those things. So check your root system. Make sure that they are firmly rooted in Jesus Christ as not only your Savior, but as your Lord and Master the one who has complete control and authority over every aspect of your life. Secondly, remove the competing weeds. Get them out of there. Just get them in their proper place, and if they need to be removed altogether, yank them out. It may hurt at first, but you know what? Once you get them out of there, you're not going to miss them because God's going to do great things to replace what was there with something better. And finally, get untangled from habitual sin. I pray that this message this morning will stir you in your spirits as you consider what it will take for God to continue his growing work in your life. Don't stay stunted. Don't stay where you are. If you recognized any one aspect this morning that you need to remove or change in your life so that you can grow, we're just going to pray now and ask God to give us the, the spirit, the courage, and then his power that we can continue to grow, that we can remove those things that need to be removed, and that we can continue to grow to maturity. So would you pray with me? Father God, we acknowledge that today you are the one who can cause anything to grow. Whether it's a, a kernel of wheat to grow to maturity, Lord, or the kernel of faith within us, we know that you are required for growth to happen, for a harvest to be reached. And so we are completely dependent on you. And so we throw yourselves, Lord, completely upon your mercy and upon your ability to do this in our lives. And we ask, Lord, give us the desire to grow in you. Give us, O Lord, an overwhelming, just an urge that we have to grow. And that everything that needs to go in order for that to happen, O Lord, we just say, take it out of my life. Get rid of it right now. Give me the courage to make the changes that need to be made. Father, help me. I need your strength today. I pray, Lord, that we as your people would truly take this seriously and that through this, Lord, we would be built up, that we would grow to the point of maturity, that this church would not only grow to a a medium height or or even a a half-decent height, but no fruit. Oh, Lord, I pray that we would reach that point where there is so much fruit, we have to build more bins to hold it all. And so we pray, Lord, that you would do this in this place, through our lives, to your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.